Hey everyone, Wilson Cochran here, one of the pastors of Vineyard Northwest. These are amazing messages we have from Leif Hetland. Leif is the founder of Global Missions Awareness and is a real apostolic missionary all over the world. He uh, spoke at our church in August and actually gave two different messages. So please check out both of these podcasts. I know it is going to bless you. Have a great week. Thank you. Wow. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just uh, wave to me and smile, all of you. Let me. Wow. Say wow. wow. Say it backwards. <laughs> Say it upside down. Wow. Oh, you're doing very well. <laughs> I do, I do sensing this privilege to be able to be with you, and uh, just, uh, there was just actually a few weeks ago that one of my spiritual sons, I think he's going to actually be here for a breakout session when uh, Dr. Randy Clark is coming, but he was just uh, telling me, his name is Aaron Simmons, we had dinner last night, but he was just describing this beautiful family here. And then he was describing, hey, uh, this is, uh, you will find that there is fathers and mothers and sons and daughters. And then I know also there is going to be grandmas and grandpas. There is going to be family. And I'm just one of those that I love. uh, uh, I don't like actually visiting orphanages, but I love visiting family. And what I mean with that is I love visiting orphanages like in Africa to, to bring them out of the orphanage and bring them into family. But God is a family, and God always wanted a family, and heaven on earth actually would be entrusted through family. So that's one of the reasons when, when I know that there is an alignment in regard to family, I know the assignment is clear. So congratulations, you're born for such a time as this. Uh, there's never been a greater time to be alive than right now. And I'm just uh, sensing something in my spirit, even as I was just waking up this morning, and could just a uh, feeling that rest of the Holy Spirit, the dove, when the dove is resting upon us. And I even sneaked back there, and I was looking at you while you were worshiping. And it was very beautiful just to be able to see your faces because it's almost to see the face of Papa God looking at his sons and daughters. And because the one that you're beholding is the one that you're becoming. And then what you become is what you release. So congratulations. You're looking more and more like Papa. Sons and daughters of glory. Wow. I wanted just to mention a couple of products here. Just uh, uh, this, uh, I enjoy. This is my latest book. It's called Call to Rain. And part of the reason I like this book is because the message that I'm about to share today about these three chairs, this message is all uh, from this book. But anyway, we have one guy who just came by the office probably a couple of months ago. And I didn't know, but I think he had heard me on Sid Roth or something. So he just found out that our office was only seven minutes away from home. So he went over there and eventually just purchased a copy and I didn't even know about it and then later on he himself after he read it just experiencing such a transformation because he found his identity 
And out of that identity, he found such an intimacy with Jesus that brought him back again to the Father. And then from that, he suddenly captured the inheritance that was available for him. And so anyway, the change in his life just moved into his marriage. The wife saw such a transformation that he ended up getting another copy for his wife. And it was such a change now in the home and in the marriage, and this has just continued. So a guy that was working with him now because his, the boss changed. When he was changed, some of the workers says, what has happened to you? And this has started. And so far, the, one of the guys who had came, come home from Afghanistan had opiates addiction, had had a broken back, and was just struggling. He just gave him a book, and as he was just reading the book, again, transformation started to take place. He was totally healed from opiates addiction, and as well as the back injury and PTSD. So he then brought, and so this is just this 300 people just traced from that one encounter. And you will see it in a few moments with these three cheers. So this person then captured this cheer message and he was transformed. So I'm just saying that and then there is a little, and I wanted to give this away to somebody. Do we have any good receivers? Yes, sir. Thank you. You're welcome. And this is called Upgrade in Love, which is actually 12 DVDs. And it is pretty much how to receive. Say receive. Receive. Become. Become. Release. Release. Receive. Become. become, release, release. you receive, receive, then you become, become. then you give. Yes. So this is about how to receive love, but then to become love so that we can live loved and we can live love out loud. And uh, so it's kind of more a 12 video session and I interview people like Heidi Baker, uh, Sean Bowles, David Wagner, asking these people, how do you receive love? How do you become love? And how do you live that out? And then we have another one on power. So there's a 12. Yes, sir. You come up here. Let's give Jesus a good hand. This is uh, my brother. I'm going to need your help for a few moments. This is chair number one. Which chair is this? One more time. This is chair number one. Chair number one. Very good. Chair number two. Which chair is this? And this is chair number three. Which chair is this? Everyone in this room, actually everyone in Cincinnati, everyone in the world actually are living their life from one of these three perspectives. And I'm going to kind of break it down a little bit today. Chair number one is all about the kingdom of God. Say kingdom of God. If you live your life in chair number two, it's all about the kingdom of self. Say kingdom of self. And if you live your life in chair number three, it is the kingdom of the world. Say kingdom of the world. If you live your life in chair number one, it is the spirit-filled life. Say spirit-filled life. The Bible says those who are led by the spirit, they are the sons or daughters of God. Walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the desires of your flesh. The kingdom of God is not about eating or drinking, but righteousness, peace, and joy in the spirit. So when you are in the spirit, righteousness, peace, and joy will just flow from your life. Because he is your righteousness. That's why we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And then all these things shall be added unto you. Can you say amen to that? So say chair number one. And by the way, this is a very good place to live your life from. 
when you are in chair number one, the supernatural is actually what is natural. When you are in chair number one here, you're hearing the Father's voice. The Bible says, my sheep hears my voice, and they follow them. When you are in chair number one, you're feeling his love. You're experiencing his presence, and you are abiding in his pleasure. It's called the hard work of rest. This is the resting place. Because when you are at rest, you're becoming a resting place for the dove, for the Holy Spirit. Sons and daughters with a dove. Anoint the sons and daughters. But chair number two is a little bit different. This is all about the kingdom of self. The person that are living the life in chair number one is saved. Say the word saved. saved. In chair number two, they are saved. Say saved. saved. And if you live in chair number three, you are lost. Say lost. And part of my assignment, because uh, sometimes in my life, and you're going to find that I end up in chair number two. And perhaps if <laughs> before this service is over, maybe you will recognize that chair number two is also a place that you visit, or perhaps some of you stay. Like I have a pastor friend of mine who built a mega church, and he said, I did it from chair two, because I never knew about chair one. And it did something in my spirit, because when I'm in chair number two, my system, my root system in chair number two, here, as I'm saying, it is about me. There is none like me. <laughs> Give me, touch me, bless me, fill me, 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 me. Everything in chair number two is rooted in either fear or shame. So the root system in this life, uh, I feel insecure, so insecurity and inferiority. Here, I don't have the proper identity. In chair number two, as, an ex as I'm saying, it is the soulish life. Often in chair number two, I am living for God because I, does, I don't know how to live from God. I learn how to be an achiever because I don't know how to be a receiver. And, and it is about doing because the root system in chair two is, say, I do. Let's say that with me. Say, I do. I do. Then I have. Yeah. Then, I become. then I become. While chair number one is very different. Here is, say, I am. I am. Because of who I am, I already have. And because of what I have, I do. It is not what you do that makes you who you are. It is who you are that makes you do what you do. So when I'm in chair number one here, I am anointed. Say anointed. anointed. When I'm in chair number two, I am annoying. Say annoying. <laughs> you can ask my wife about it. It's a big difference. When I'm in chair number one, I am very prophetic. Say prophetic. But when I'm in chair number two, I'm, I'm very pathetic. The root system in chair number one is love. You are rooted and grounded in love. Hey. You are rooted and grounded in love. Hey. You are rooted and grounded in love. Hey. 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 Oh, high and deep and wide and long is Papa God love for me. Hey. <laughs> so actually in chair number one, your root system goes all the way back to beginning, even before the foundation of the world. I knew you, and I predestined you in love. Yes. Chair number one is all about glory management, while chair number two is always sin management. 
When you are in chair number one, you're living from pleasure. While you are in chair number two, you're living from pressure. It's a whole different way of living and loving. And we have not even talked about chair number three yet, which is this wall and why the wall is what it is. The temperature of America can often be measured by what's going on in chair number two. And if you are in chair number two, it's like, oh, it's getting dark here. While if you are in chair number one, you are in the light business. And every time there is darkness, my stock goes up. That's why you can consider joy when these trials comes against you, because it leads to upgrades. And it's a whole different way of living and loving, and my heart would be today, and I'm just going to use some scripture verses that has been in me, because in my own life, my journey is often that, wow, I'm coming into this chair, and when I am here, I look at Islam as a problem. While I'm here, I see Islam as a promise. Because when I'm in chair number two, if you touch the lepers, you become unclean. But if you're in chair number one, if you touch the lepers, they become clean. So for me, it is eventually going to look at the disciples today, and we're going to open up the Bible to make this meeting legal. (laughs) So if you open up to John chapter 20, but these verses... For the last, and, and the reason I'm doing this with the framework of the chair so that you can visualize and see these verses. But often I have been thinking about people like Matthew. Here you see Matthew, they call him Matthew the tax collector. His actually real name is Levi, a Jewish name. But the calling name of him, Matthew is one of those people that steal money from us and give it to Rome that are crucifying Christians. And somehow Jesus was very different because Jesus. He asked Matthew, and this is going to see a a typical chair number one. Jesus is giving actually Matthew a sense of belonging before there is believing, and then there is behaving. Could I say that one more time? What Jesus does, he invites, he he gets around people, and there is a belonging to hang out around with, with Jesus. And then they're being changed. There's a change of believing, and then the behaving comes. While in the chair number two, you first have to behave right to get believing before you get belonging. It's a whole different way of living and loving. So I'm saying that as I'm looking at Matthew and just seeing the transformation, looking at Mark or John, the son of thunder, and seeing these ordinary people, and I'm seeing them on this journey with Jesus, where Jesus is touching the lepers, raising the dead, all these experiences. But now in John chapter 20, verse 19, these disciples, and here's one of the things, they end up in chair number two, and that's where we're going to start. How can they be in chair number two when they've been with Jesus and they've only seen a chair number one example? And this was me just a couple of months ago in Saiwal, Pakistan, totally stuck in chair number two. And I couldn't go out. I couldn't leave this chair. I didn't know how to get back to chair number one. And when you're in chair number two, you see how big the giant is because you're not able to see how big God is. Here, you're getting overwhelmed by fear, and whatever overwhelms you, shapes you. While you are in chair number one, you're being overwhelmed by love, and love shapes you. And the perfect love always takes away all fear. 
So the life and part of my thing today is if I can give you a super glue to be in chair number one. And your marriage to be chair number one marriage. And if you're a business owner, chair number one business owner. And if you're a school teacher, you would say, oh, thank God it is Monday. And other people say, ADHD, you say creativity. In chair number one, you don't see people the way they are, but the way they're going to be. You don't treat people based upon their history, but their destiny. It's a whole different way of living and loving. Just like Jesus. Let's open up John chapter 20. And for a year I studied these verses, but it was not before the verses were studying me. They became alive. So I've been studying these verses for a year, but then I realized these verses are studying me. And now I got to experience the verse. So I am like the disciples. In John 20 verse 19, it says, Then the same day at evening, say evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, say the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and he stood in the midst of them and said, Peace, peace be with you. When he said that, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw it was the Lord. Then Jesus said again, Peace, peace to you. As the Father have sent me, I also send you. And when he said that, he breathed on them and said, Receive, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. But if you retain the sins of any, they will be retained. So let me kind of describe what is taking place. Some of you maybe also had a Friday moment. Perhaps maybe you're in a Friday season. Friday, as I say, for the disciple was a very horrific day. I mean, here they had given up everything to follow Jesus. But by the time... uh, When Jesus was crucified, they were hiding. Everyone except for John and some women. These disciples now were shut down in chair two. They were living in fear for chair three. That these Jews, what they had done to Jesus is now going to happen to them. So this is kind of the scenario. They're in this room when the doors are shut. And they are crippled in this room. And they're being totally overwhelmed by fear. Jesus, he doesn't have to knock on the door. Because he is the door. Jesus just comes and he appears into this room and he just fills this room with his presence. When you have his presence, you have everything. If you have everything and you don't have his presence, you have nothing. And I just, when I walked in here, I just had this memory back to 1986 in Anaheim, California. As a young Norwegian, I remember I walked into this room, and in this room there was like a blanket of his presence that I just stepped into. And I didn't know much about John Wimber those days, but I still remember when I walked into this room, it was the same kind of a feel, that blanket of his presence. And I know that that's also the heart for each one of us, is to be able to experience just the fullness of his presence. So Jesus just, he fills this room with his presence. And this is the first way how you shift and change the atmosphere. This environment has to change before this environment can change. So as long as I have storm on the inside, I don't have any authority of the storms on the outside. 
And the storms that is taking place here brought these disciples in, and now Jesus just comes to overwhelm them with his presence. And again, whatever overwhelms you shapes you. And that's why it's so beautiful to coming in here. And for me, for a few moments, I just went down on my knees and just started to get overwhelmed by him. And I thought about that one song, Rise a Hallelujah. In a moment with a Lutheran pastor in Stavanger, Norway, I was just meeting with a group of these Lutheran pastors. The door opened up just a few months ago, and the daughter who is pregnant came in. And she says, for the last 24 hours, there's not been any heartbeat. I'm, I'm, I'm losing water. In the middle of her pregnancy, I'm losing the child. And we had just been singing that song, Rise a Hallelujah. And I remember the story behind the song and the testimony. For a moment, we end up in chair two, and it looked like it was Friday. But what we didn't realize that Sunday is coming. And sometimes when you have those Friday moments, and maybe there's a Saturday, you're in a waiting place before the resurrection is showing up in your life of your miracle and what you need. And this is what's taking place. And then when I landed in Amsterdam, we got the news. And even the daughter just said, well, I had a Friday moment, but I want you to know Sunday has come. (laughs) And the baby was just raised from the dead. The baby became alive. And it's just one of those songs. So when I'm there, it's a memory stone. So when I cannot see, when I cannot hear, I'm going back to those memory stones. Remember what God has done. So my my ears are open up again. My vision is coming back. And what happened to the disciple? They forget about all the promises. They're forgetting about all the prophetic. They forget about everything because that's what fear does. But then in a moment when his presence shows up, whoa, everything changes. But then from his presence, Jesus says, peace, peace be on you. Say it with me. Say his presence. Say his peace. It changes everything. And that's what we're also going to receive, just experiencing his presence and experiencing his peace. In the middle of the storms, you're just receiving his peace. He says, peace be on you. And then he does something. He showed them his hands and his side. And I love this thing because this is actually a beautiful marriage statement. When he showed them his hands and his side, it's actually where he says is, I am. What is your situation? Uh, I need healing. I am your healer. I am your strength. I am your sufficiency. I am your power. I am your wisdom. Whatever you need, look at my hands on my side. I provided for that. I am. I am. What is your situation? I am. I am your promise keeper. I am your breakthrough. I am. Everything you need, look at his hands on his side. It starts with his presence. Then his peace, papa. <laughs> then his provision. So instead of looking at what I don't have, I can look at what I do have. Every issue that I have, Jesus provided for it. And he says, I am. When you capture that back again, there's only one thing to do is you are. You are my healer. You are my strength. You are my sufficiency. You are my joy. You are my freedom. You are, you are. And then Cincinnati would start to say, he is. He is a healer. Wow. His presence. Say his presence. His peace. His provision. And then the Bible says, they became glad. Double for your trouble. Double for your trouble. (laughs) 
they became glad. So suddenly now they got a new passion. They got a new joy. Circumstances has not changed, but now they are in a different place. They're full of his presence. They're full of his peace. And everything they are facing, they have his provision. And now they have his passion. And then Jesus says, peace on you. That was the only thing they received to or double. And that is peace, peace on you. And peace to your mind, peace to your sleep, peace to your marriage, peace, peace, peace. Shalom. shalom alachim. There shall be peace, says the Lord. And then from that place, now there is an alignment going on here. Say it with me, say his presence, his peace, his provision, his passion, his peace. And now the alignment is there. Now the assignment begins. Jesus said, as the Father sent me, I also send you. And I'm sure that the disciples are looking around in the same way as the Father sent Jesus. Jesus, they changed this world. Sinners love being around Jesus. Why don't they love being around us? Sure, too. So somehow there's something different with Jesus, but now he says, I'm going to bring you into chair number one so that as the Father sent me, full of my presence, full of my peace, everything that the world out there needs, you have my provision. And then when you're going there, you're going to have my passion and you're going to have my peace. As the Father sent me, I am going to send you. <gasps> With that new purpose, say purpose. You need a new power, say power. So he breathes on them and says, receive, receive, receive the Holy Spirit. And this is so beautiful for me because that's a son and a daughter with a dove. And you find your resting place and the dove becomes your resting place. And it is upon this identity, upon anointed sons, that he's going to build a church that the gates of hell will not prevail against. Because who Jesus is to you is who Jesus would be through you. And then this last, and then we're going to land this. His presence. His peace. His provision. I am. That's it. Yeah, I am. I am. You are. You are. He is. From the presence to his peace, to the provision, to his passion, to his peace, to his purpose, with his power, there's a new paradigm and a new perspective. He says, now, your view towards Cincinnati, your view what is going on in America, your view to the world has to do with how I treat it. He says, if you forgive the sins, I thought only Jesus could forgive sins. That's not what he says. He says, if you forgive the sins of any, he tells the disciple, you are going to represent me. I am going to go to the Father. And then you sons and daughters of glory, sons and daughters with a dove, your view towards the world has all to do with how it's going to be treated. And when I realized that, there was something. I, I just had one 
pretty radical imam about five years ago. We had this one situation where I ended up in chair two. Uh, this person, he was not very friendly. Actually, he just told me when I first met you and I shook your hand, he told me, he said that I went and washed my hands because I touched an infidel and I became unclean. But he said, this time when I came and I touched you, he said, I embraced you and I kissed you because you are family. And I just realized when I had changed from my perspective towards him, when I was here in this chair towards him, I saw a problem. Because what I did is I based the view he had towards me, had to do with how I responded. But when I was in chair number one, I had seen how Papa God sees him. You don't see a terrorist Saul, you see the Apostle Paul. And listen, you only have authority over what you love. I've found it one little story. <laughs> because this message a few years ago, it was actually in the end of President Obama's term. They were having something called a Freedom Act in Washington, D.C. And uh, a part of that, there was a group of both Muslims, Christian, different religious leaders was coming to Washington, D.C. And there was a meeting before the meeting that was arranged by Sapperstein from the White House. And that meeting was trying to get some of the evangelical and the Muslims together and kind of soften some of the touch before the big public meeting at the National Cathedral. And this was going to be part of the Freedom Act. And I had the honor of going up to Washington, D.C., and a couple of key Muslim leaders that I knew from the Middle East, we were, we were there together, and they kind of sat on each side of me. And I was very, very tired, and I just wanted you to be aware of that, that what the enemy is using as a weapon in this season is fatigue. And he's trying to wear you out. So I'm saying that from fatigue, then he pushes the button of fear. And then the next one is failure. You fail. And shame will start to tell you who you are not. Well, Papa, God always tells you who you are. So the fatigue came in, and I, didn't, I was not aware of my emotional tank, and because I've been going over to England, and I flew to D.C. I've been all over the world, and then it was kind of a night and day. I was just trying to honor all of these different leaders and kind of a little outside my comfort zone. And so I got stuck kind of in chair two, and this Muslim leader said, I want to come to your home. And I was thinking, well, my wife is coming home, and she's leading the team from England, and but I knew I had to honor him, and I brought him to my home. And I was sitting in my office, and this message just came to my mind. But as I went into my office, I took the Al-Quran, and I took the Bible on the top of my shelf. And part of what I did was I just wanted to honor when he walked into my office to see that I honor. It was just a, this kind of a, he has not given us a spirit of fear, shared to you, but he has given a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. That's wisdom. So sometimes it's not if, if this is the right thing to do, but is this a wise thing to do? And what does wisdom look like? Because the fullness of love and power and wisdom together is Jesus. 
because he is the love, he is the power, and he is the wisdom of God. And so are you. As I am, so are you in this world. So make the story short, I sat there and I was so tired and everything else. And then I remember this story. The presence of Jesus came into the office. He had just taken down the Al-Quran and he was reading two surah or two verses from the Al-Quran. And now as he is reading that, I can feel more and more the weight of the Spirit is coming in. And I'm looking at it and I'm starting to see double. And I try to look at him and I just feel this presence. And I was thinking, this is not a good time, Holy Spirit. <laughs> and he's reading these surah or verses from the Quran, and I'm sitting there, and finally he stops and he looks at me and he says, what are you doing to me? I said, what are you talking about? He said, what is this tingling? I feel like there's this tingling going up and down my body. It's like, and then... <laughs> I said, well, it's just the presence of Jesus. He, and he kind of just stared at me. And then I had enough favor in my favorite card to pray for him. But I didn't have enough favor to touch him. That was also wisdom. So at that moment, because I love this person, now wisdom and power is coming in. So I said, can I pray for you? And he didn't say yes. For me, that means yes. <laughs> He was just looking at me, kind of a staring. And I put my hand over his head, about maybe six inches, and I just prayed, oh, I just bless this dear friend in the name of Jesus. I bless his body, his family. I just release some blessings over him. And as I was finished, we spent a little time together. He just stared. I didn't know that this had any meaning. But the next morning, I came to Winham Hotel in Peachtree City, where I live. And he says, Dr. Leaf, we need to talk. Come to my room. And I'm thinking, am I in trouble? He's just very strict. And we walked into his room, and then he opened up his laptop, and on his laptop there's this beautiful picture, and two of his wives and nine children. And he says, I want, I want you to give them what I received yesterday. So what I found out is while I had been praying for him, he had this stomach condition that he had had for 12 years. That morning at Wyndham Hotel, he went to the breakfast buffet and ate all this food he had not been able to eat for 12 years. <laughs> and it was no reaction. And now, and he still feels this tingling and the presence. And now he just decided that his two wives and his nine children needs it. So then over Skype, I'm releasing that. And that room gets just filled with his presence. Later on, I'm in the Philippines. We have a thousand of our young leaders in this meeting, and we're just together worshiping. And I, I normally never look at the phone while I'm in a meeting, but it was like, and I see it's this top Muslim leader. And I walk out and talk to him, and he says, uh, I got the situation. I need some help. And I was like, what is it? And he said, I, I put an ad in the paper for sick people to come and people that are being haunted by magic and women that cannot conceive. I put this ad in the paper for them to come to the mosque that they're going to be healed. But he said, but I don't know how to pray that way. I said, oh, that's no problem. Just close your eyes. And you're going in, and i on WhatsApp. And we're in the Philippines, just releasing the very presence of Jesus. And the presence just fills that mosque. And people being healed, and Jesus being filled up. I was just in that mosque, had a nice little healing meeting in that mosque. And he is still sharing the testimony of what Jesus did. Right. So my uh, simple invitation, I know this is a very short version, 
but I gave you just a framework. In a moment, I can be tired, I get in chair number two. Then you enter into the hard work of rest. What you do then is repent, say repent. Metanoia. But repent means this. Repent. That means you go back in the penthouse where you belong. Repent. <laughs> Why live in the basement? Because when you are in chair two, you're not hearing his voice. That doesn't mean the Father is not speaking. It just means it has to filter its way through your soul to touch your spirit. When I'm in chair number two, I'm not feeling his love, so I start to look for love in the wrong places. And it's either going to be rebellion or religion. And religion is very subtle here because now I feel I have to do something to have something to become something. And then you live from measure because you don't know how to live from fullness. Because in chair number one, you have an A plus before you take the exam. <laughs> so then remember this story. Just invite his presence to come in, into your car. Be careful when you drive. <laughs> into your home, into that classroom, into that setting. Sons and daughters just full of his presence. Let's stand to our feet. I just wanted to impart that over you. Whoa, are you okay? <laughs> Let me first ask, is there anyone that has ever been in chair number two? And by the way, when you're chair number one, you have the dove. But in chair number two, there is pigeons. And, and pigeon religion is very different than the dove. <laughs> and I don't like when I'm in this place. And the first thing I know, restless. The peace is gone. And the joy is not there. There's always full of love and joy and peace in chair number one. And when I get squeezed, what's in me comes out. Love, joy, peace. But when I'm here... <sighs> But at that moment, Papa has not turned away from you. That's what shame will tell. Papa will say, he cannot handle your sin. So you need to get clean to take a bath. You have to do something. But when you realize, actually, when there's sin in your life, the safest place you can do is to repent and turn towards your father. <sighs> to see his face. To hear his voice. Then the repentance comes because the goodness and the kindness leads to repentance. But for years I thought, now when I messed up, now the Father has turned away from me and it is up to me. But I realized, no, I'm the one that has turned away from the Father. And that sin separated me. What sin made me fall short of glory. And I won't get back again to that resting place. A son and a daughter, whoa, in his presence. So let's hold out our hands and maybe the worship team is here and just taking a few minutes and wow, I want you to get this fresh baptism of love and whoa. <laughs> so his perfect love would just take you into this ocean of love. Father, right now I just invite the presence of Jesus to come. Hmm. Even at this moment, just fill us. <laughs> fill us with, whoa, your presence. I release his peace. Peace. Peace be on you. Peace to your mind. Peace to your heart. 
peace to your body, peace to your finances, peace. Heavenu shalom alachem. Whoa. And then provision. Anything that you need right now, just receive his provision. Look, he's putting out his hand and says, I am. I am. I am your healer. Be healed in the name of Jesus. I am your freedom. Be free in the name of Jesus. I am your joy. Rejoice in the name of Jesus. I am your resting place. Rest, receive, become, and release. <laughs> well, let me ask an honest question. How many of you are struggling with your number two? Just wave to me. Even who is just starting to feel these waves of being overwhelmed by this world and coming in. And that's why I'm just going to release right now that, wow, chair number one is not going to be visitation, but chair number one is going to be your habitation. You maybe will visit chair two, but then you will recognize that's not who I am any longer because I remember this message. I remember that's not who I am. I'm a son. I'm a daughter. I got an A+. Plus. Whoa. Whoa, Baba. Sure. Let's lift up our hands. Father, we just say we receive. We receive your presence. We receive. We receive your peace. We receive. We receive your provision. <laughs> we receive your passion. We receive your peace. We receive your purpose. We receive your power. And we receive your perspective. The lenses of love. To see into the unloved realms. In the name of Jesus. Amen, amen. Can we give Jesus a good hand?